Hi podcasting fans, it's Chris Jones here. Now, you're probably wondering, why am you talking at the beginning of the podcast? Well, this particular podcast is a serious podcast. That's right, Aaron Porter, NUS president, I interviewed during the presence of Nerve Radio. He's now, well, he's now a former president, but he, he was president at the time. Anyway, that's not even really important. Basically, what it is, is a full interview, it's about 20 minutes long, I thought I'd just let you know in advance that it's very serious and there's no fun comedy bits in it. Enjoy this podcast, it's very serious, if you want more comedy and bits like that, you can go on to our next podcast, which is available soon. So enjoy it, and let me know what you think. Thanks. Oh, and subscribe. Subscribe! The Chris Jones Best Bits Podcast. Download for free. Diana Vickers there, my wicked heart. Afternoon, it's uh, it's Chris Jones here on Nerve Radio. Right, uh, welcome to the show, 87.7 FM, and you can listen online at nervemedia.org.uk. Today, we shall be speaking to a special guest, NUS President Aaron Porter, who joins us live in the studio. Hello. Hello. Uh, you can also have your voice. Our voice is your voice. So you can tweet in the show at Nerve Radio and you can also text us on 07766404142. Start your message with Nerve Radio, all one word, or come straight to us to the studio. So you can also have your mention as well. I'm also joined here by Steve Jones. Hi. How are you doing? Good. And uh, right, let's uh, get to it. Right, so well, welcome to uh, Nerve Studios. Uh, Hello. It's no, no, it's nice to be here. So uh, I've chosen, not that your uh, listeners will, will know, it's a lovely beautiful day to be down in Bournemouth so uh, I'm hoping to try and steal a march down to the coast before I leave I've come all of this way yeah. so it would be uh, I think it would be wrong of me to uh, not try and get to the coast before I leave yeah so. you enjoying the sunshine yeah, down no, in Bournemouth it's, a, it, yeah. it's amazing how different a university campus can look on a, uh, on, a on a bright sunny day and mm. uh, I think kind of university recruiting people you know desperately wish that days like this are the weather you get on an open day and certainly for me it's much nicer to see a campus when it's in beautiful sunlight rather Rather than uh, kind of horrible, horrible rain. But uh, no, great to be here. I think it changes the attitude of how we study, and it's quite, it's quite nice. It's really, um, really nice. Um, so, uh, well, I've been um, following you on Twitter, and uh, I know that you, uh, you, you were tweeting the other day about uh, Casino Royale. You were enjoying that, weren't you? I did. I watched that over the uh, <laughs> over the weekend. I was, I was disappointed. It wasn't the uh, the '60s version with uh, David Niven, uh, which oh. is actually a much better uh, version of, uh, of, 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 the, of the original Ian Fleming Bond novel. That said, I think uh, I do think uh, Daniel Craig's a, a good Bond, uh, and it's a good film, uh, yeah. particularly if you like gambling. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can follow uh, the games that are being played, but that is, that is a good film. There's some good films like Moon River. Oh no, there are Moon, Moon River. Moon no, Raker. Uh, is that the the, the next Bond? Uh, I, should, uh, I believe. Watching out for that one. <laughs> That's uh, right. Uh, Moonraker though Moon was Raker. the very first Bond film I saw. I had nightmares about Jaws. Oh. Uh, I, I was about seven. But uh. <laughs> okay, well, um, for those who are listening who don't know you are, uh, explain your job and what you've briefly done over the past year. Yeah, sure. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, in case you missed it at the start, I'm Aaron uh, Porter. I'm president president of uh, the National Union of Students. So NUS uh, represents uh, students in further and higher education across the UK and there are about 650 students unions in FE colleges, sixth forms and universities that are members of, uh, of NUS. And it's my uh, role to kind of represent the views of, uh, of, of students uh, to the general public, to universities and colleges, uh, to government, to opposition and uh, out in the media. Uh, and uh, normally the task of the NUS president is to just try and get some coverage of their issues. 
Uh, I suspect we've been quite successful at getting our issues out there this year, but ha- it has generated some pretty intense debates. I'm sure we'll kind of come on to that uh, uh, shortly. Uh, but at least I don't have the problem which some previous NUS presidents w- uh, have had, which is they don't know who I am and what I've done. I- I've had less of that problem. Uh, and, I- and I think the good thing is the debate's moved on to the issues, which is exactly where the debate should be. Absolutely. OK, so let's start off then. Uh, uh, when you were elected in 2010... What aim or goal, should we say, was originally set out? Or perhaps more specifically, what were you going to change previous to the position that was before you? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I uh, really concentrated on when I... Uh, and indeed, my motivation to run for NUS president was to make sure that NUS engaged fully and sought to push the government as far as it could do, whoever the government was going to be, because I got elected before the uh, general uh, election, was to push them on the issue of university funding specifically. That was what I cared about most, and that's what has ended up dominating uh, my year. Um, The the final outcome that we got, i.e. a fee cap of up to £9,000, was not what we wanted, was actually a million miles away from uh, what we wanted, but I think we secured some concessions along the way. Uh, There is a better deal for part-time students uh, there is uh, now a threshold up at 21,000 and the mechanism of repayment is more progressive than the current system even though the overall package is a, is a is a really bad one for students so there are some sheds of you know there's some rays of uh, of dim light in amongst some pretty dark gloom but what has transformed is the profile of students and their issues which has gone from being a long way down the agenda to being at the very top of the agenda and i think NUS has played a considerable role in making sure that students now are given a great deal more attention than they ever were before. That's great. Uh, so I've arrived with Steve now, uh, talking about Saturday. Yeah, I mean, this week, I mean, there are UCU strikes tomorrow, and then you've got like, the big march on Saturday um, about you know public spending cuts. So, I mean, what exactly is taking place on Saturday, and what is your involvement on Saturday, exactly? Yeah, I mean, the uh, TUC uh, national demonstration on Saturday is a response to the government's kind of austerity measures, the deep public spending cuts, uh, and it's a challenge to say to the government, you are saying that we've got to reduce the deficit in four years. Actually, what trade unionists are saying, uh, what others in the public sector are saying, uh, and I would agree with them as president of NUS, which is to say there are other ways of doing this. You don't have to reduce the deficit in four years. Why not do it in six, eight, ten years? Because what I think this government have failed to acknowledge is if you do reduce the deficit in four years, there are lots of unintended consequences along the way. There are lots of people that lose their job. There are lots of people that can't stay in their homes. There are lots of people uh, who uh, uh, suffer unemployment because jobs aren't created. And that transforms people's lives and I think that the government haven't paid enough attention to that. So we will see, I suspect uh, several hundred thousand people on the streets of London challenging the government's austerity measures and calling for an alternative. I'm not saying that the deficit doesn't need to be reduced, but I don't think it needs to be reduced in four years. I hope there'll be tens of thousands of students, and we've been working with the TUC to help mobilise for that and encourage students' unions to get their students along. Oh, OK, now you said, you've also said you're not making a speech as such on, on Saturday. Now, there would be thousands of students that would want to hear from you, so, so why aren't you making a speech on Saturday? Uh, well, if, if a TUC wants to invite me to speak, I mean, it's not, not, my, uh, not my march, and uh, the TUC are obviously responsible for who's invited to speak. Uh, you know, the General Secretary of the Trade Union Congress, uh, Brendan Barber, will speak. Uh, Ed Miliband, the leader of the Labour Party, will speak. Uh, I gather there's some controversy about which politicians are speaking. Uh, for me, it's not about who, who speaks, it's about the issues that are raised. And I think it's right that NUS supports it, uh, both in terms of d- word and deed, and that's what I'm really pleased about. OK, and now you said in a talk in Bournemouth just you know, a few hours ago that you think 50,000 emails to Ms Cable would have been more effective, perhaps, than the demo. So why are you supporting strike 
and the march on saturday if you don't think it's that, that effective uh, i said uh, you know well i think i should clarify what i uh, uh, said i mean i said that uh, um you know you could argue that 50,000 people on the street didn't make much difference to the uh, final outcome on tuition fees and uh, you know in many respects that's right and uh, if you look at other recent successful campaigns like the government's u turn on uh, school sports on the forestry commission uh, sell off those campaigns were successful because actually they were largely about getting emails into the inboxes of politicians and perhaps if NUS had uh, spent uh, got 50,000 emails into Vince Cable's inbox that might have got, got a different result we won't actually ever know in truth and we can just speculate but I do think that effective campaigning organisations need to think about what effective campaign tactics are in the 21st century for me simple street protest on its own isn't going to work in isolation it needs to be done alongside successful lobbying credible alternatives research evidence and i think using technology more and more to campaign that's where the successful campaigning organizations will be over the next few years okay interesting uh, thoughts there right we're going to go over to a song and then when we come back we're going to be talking about more about the uc strikes aaron porter thank you for joining us pleasure pleasure right uh, let's get straight into it the uc ucu strikes um some of the main issues that they're doing uh, they're, this is all about the what's happening at the moment with it they've got a lot of Twitter hashtags going on there's there's posters up everywhere around the campus let's talk about the main reasons uh, three particular reasons that they're they're doing it for mm. job cuts pay cuts and pension cuts mm. can we talk about more about that yeah sure I mean it's uh, it's a really difficult time for academic staff uh, right now and uh, you know I What's really interesting is over the course of this year, we've seen some real difficult uh, attacks on students, uh, and I mean attacks in terms of funding, huge public cuts to universities, and as a consequence, tuition fees have gone up. And now we're seeing difficult negotiations where staff are trying to, all they're trying to get is a a pay rise that meets inflation, and they've not been able to secure that from the employers. There are concerns about job cuts. Understandably, any union would want to respond to defend job cuts. And there are concerns about the way in which pensions for academic staff are being reformed for the future and I, my, my approach to this is that uh, the way in which students have uh, been undermined by government policy is not too dissimilar to what academic staff are facing and so um, you know I think that actually we need to stand uh, with our, our staff on this and I think we should support them I, I support them, NUS supports their action that they're taking uh, this week but I've also been saying to the employers and to UCU that you both have a responsibility to get round the table and sort this out because no student should want to have their education disrupted and yes i represent students and they don't want to uh, be be kind of prevented from getting their exam results or getting their grades and so i am pushing both sides to get around the table to sort this out but as things stand i think that ucu are right to go on a one-day strike and i support that particular action they're taking this week but i mean you know the backing of all student unions um, in terms of, of strike, so do you think solidarity is essential in a way to get you know get your point across? Uh, the truth is that uh, you know students' unions will uh, will will rightly go to their members on this, and uh, you know in fact I have encouraged students' unions to go out to ballot their members and make sure they they're making an informed decision about what exactly the academic staff are calling for, what the employers have offered, and what they haven't offered. And uh, I would then hope that students will make an informed decision. You're right; uh, some students' unions have come out in support, others have kind of. Uh, 
uh, been a bit quieter on the issue and there are a couple which have gone against uh, UCU um, I don't think that's the right tactic right now but uh, I believe that where students and staff can work together that's in the mutual interest of us uh, of, of us all Okay, uh, if we move away from UCU for the moment I mean there are going to be tens of thousands of students out there who had planned to go to university this year or the following years but they now they, they now can't afford to basically they've had their dreams shattered in a way and they'll be wondering why um, I mean what's your message to those people? Uh, the, the truth is that I will never be an apologist for this current system I think it is a disastrous system of university funding but it's really important that students get to grips with what the system uh, you know what the system is because there are uh, you know the government are saying there's some myths so that people don't understand the system I don't I don't, I don't largely think that's uh, true the fact is that students will now be graduating with record levels of debt students that graduate under this current system are leaving with 25,000 pounds worth of debt that could become 40 50 60,000 pounds by the time you add in maintenance and other costs the truth is to kind of counterbalance that is graduates over their working lifetime tend to earn about £100,000 more than those that haven't been to university but that varies by the subject that you study and by the course that you uh, and by the institution that you've uh, gone to I think the biggest travesty of this reform would be if people that have the talent and the ability to go to university uh, feel that is, university isn't for them and we need to find ways to which student unions can play a role to make sure that the bursary arrangements are as generous and as targeted as they can be to make sure that talented poor kids still keep going to university okay and uh, you know several unions have come out already and said they're going to charge the full whack you know nine thousand i mean in a way as sort of as nus sort of accepted the rises now and they, you know they sort of accepted that the protests they're not going to work i mean what, what can you do to change it what i've said all along and i still say now is that uh, the government's ill-thought-through proposals mean that they're... Not only did the Liberal Democrats promise to abolish tuition fees and then sign the pledge and broke the pledge and trebled tuition fees, when they pushed it through Parliament, they said, well, OK, we're going to allow universities to go up to 9,000, but it'll only be 9,000 in exceptional circumstances. I said at that point it will be more than 50%. It might be 60 or 70% of universities that go to the full amount. And now it's transpiring that despite what Vince Cable and others said, that it would only happen in exceptional circumstances, it seems to be the exception you're not charging £9,000. So I think, again, students will feel really let down. But the truth is, I think unions have an option. We can, we can and we should retain a principled opposition to the system, but we can't just bury our head in the sand and pretend the reforms haven't happened without engaging in the construction of the bursary arrangements. I want to see students' unions holding their universities to account to say, if you are going to charge six, seven, eight, nine thousand pounds a year, you're going to be putting more money into bursaries, more money into go to outreach programmes, more money to give to the poorest students to make sure that they can go to university. Because I think that's the responsible thing for students' unions to do. Yes, we should still resist the current system, but we've got to accept the law has been passed, and I think it would be highly unlikely for it to somehow be reversed now. OK. Um, now, you said on your blog that you think that you would have won the next election for president of NUS you know, if you were standing. Um, so if you've got the backing of the majority where you, that you believe that you do have, um, why does the NUS need a new voice? Well, I mean, I've been involved in students' unions in NUS now for five years, and that's uh, a very long time. Uh, I ran to be president to deal with the funding uh, debate and to deal with the tuition fee debate. And that is now coming to a kind of uh, a natural uh, point in which the debate is starting to move on. And so I think it would have been wrong for me to be the president that kickstarts another debate. I've kind of had my moment. I've uh, been the president that's had the highest profile, the biggest opportunity, um, and dealt with the student issues at the 
the biggest and most tense time. And I think at that point, as the debate moves on, I think it's right for NUS and it's right for me that there's a new president. Uh, I, uh, I feel I can hold my head up high in terms of the way in which I've sought to deal with the issues, the way in which I've conducted myself and the organisation. Did we get what we wanted? No, we didn't. But we acted in a fashion which I think students can be proud of, which the bulk of students can also be proud of and indeed are. And at the, on that basis, I know that I've acted with integrity and it's time to give someone else a chance. Were you hurt by what happened in Manchester? I mean, you know, you're working very hard. You know, you're, try, you're trying to do a job, you're working for the students. So were you hurt when they, when they were shouting abuse? Like you? Um, I mean, the truth is that the Manchester group, uh, largely not students, uh, but kind of uh, a range of uh, different kind of uh, revolutionary anarchist groups, and, you know, and they, and they are students, some of them are students as well. Um, uh, I know that the overwhelming majority of students have a great deal more uh, respect, acknowledgement and uh, understanding of the way in which NUS is acted. And that's been what I set out to do and that's exactly what I've done. Do I expect every single student to back me? No, of course I don't. Uh, and there will be some students that disagree with me, and I'm sure you can find some students on this campus and others that disagree with me. That kind of comes with the territory. But as long as I know that I set out with good intent and acted honourably, uh, that's as much as I can have hoped to have done. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, I can actually be very proud of what we've achieved this year. And that's certainly how I'll look back at my five years in the student movement. Okay, so uh, you listeners have also got involved. Um, We're going to check some tweets and emails from whoever has contacted us uh, after this Alexis Jordan happiness. Alexis Jordan, Happiness. It's Chris Jones on Nerve Radio. Uh, we're on 87.7 FM all over Bournemouth and Paul. We've got our special guest here. How are you doing? I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm being treated very well. <laughs> you've got water, you've got everything. Uh, what more can I need? I know. Water, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, right, so uh, we've got Head of Specialist Ash Tulitz in the studio. Hello. Hello. And uh, you have got lots of uh, Twitter response from you, huh? Yeah, we've been keeping an eye on Facebook and Twitter to see what people have been up to, and you are quite a popular fellow, Aaron. Um, we've had lots of questions. Cool. Um, someone wants to know, what is... Is there anything you're particularly ashamed of during your campaign? Anything you're particularly proud of? Uh, I mean, I, I, the thing I am most proud of, because uh, that's the easier one to answer and I'll think of the tougher one, uh, the, the, one the thing I am most proud of is the fact that we did get 50,000 students uh, onto the streets of, of London, which uh, you know previous presidents have tried to do and they've got to five or 6,000. Um, you know, there was a way in which we went about this campaign, which was we worked closely with students' unions. I think the fact that we were saying credible things actually trusted students to back us. Um, you know, let's forget the uh, the minority of uh, of people that I think were unhelpful. I'm sure that will come up in in in, in tweets and and it does in conversation. But I'm proud of the fact that we really did manage to mobilise a huge number of people. In terms of uh, of, of being ashamed, I mean, I don't, I genuinely don't think it's kind of helpful to see things in 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 that way. Um, Yes, I mean, I think we, I should have perhaps anticipated um, post the demo how NUS could have tried to keep up the momentum in different ways. It got very much caught up into a narrow discussion about how many demos should you have, but actually effective campaigning organisations find new ways to move the narrative on, and I don't think we perhaps did that skillfully enough. In truth, we were slightly shell-shocked by what happened. I know I was, and I, I had to act quickly under a great amount of pressure. Um, so I suspect if I had the chance to kind of relive the year again, uh, I would think about how we moved the debate on from the violence on the protest and rather uh, focused on the government rather than kind of allowing us to have a bit of an internal uh, conflict within the student movement. Um, someone else wants to know, you were actually, they, they said that they were in London during the demo and actually the day after when the decision was made, um, you were actually in London giving a speech as the Millbank, as the Millbank building was being um, entered. Um, they want to know what your thoughts were how you, and how you found out and how you think you, re- and how you feel 
sorry, do you feel you, you reacted appropriately and accordingly to those events? Yeah, so the way in which the, the demo uh, kind of uh, happened on the 10th of November, I was at the front of it, uh, leading the kind of the, the, the march down past Westminster, along Millbank, and to the rally point. And so, yeah, it's right to say that um, either the violence at Millbank happened as I was speaking at the rally, or just afterwards, or uh, perhaps just before I started speaking. I didn't find out about it until the rally was over, and I was the, the last speaker at the rally. So I kind of finished doing my remarks, I kind of done a bit of a barnstormer of a speech or at least I thought it uh, thought it was and then I found out about the violence and I had to make a very quick decision which was do you say nothing do you criticise the violence as unhelpful um, I think they were the only plausible things I could have done I figured that if I said nothing um, uh, it would have looked like complicit support for it and I think that when you organise something and if it doesn't go, you know, occur as you expect it to if you're in charge or you're responsible, you put your head above the parapet. That's what leadership is. It's not always the easy. The easiest thing for me to do would have been to put my bury my head, uh, try and duck for cover. I don't think that would have served students well, and I think that would have rubbished the kind of way in which students uh, are considered. So I said what I did, which is that I think the violence was unhelpful. I don't think that student protesters are unhelpful. I think they are very helpful. But violence, I think, is completely unnecessary, um, particularly if you want to get the public on your side. Briefly, uh, we've got one more Twitter uh, response now. Oh, sorry, I thought you had it in front of you. That's a preparedness for you. Uh, yeah, the, the last question comes from uh, Troshi, who wants to know, is there any point in having student protests now for the future? Will it ever change anything? Well, I do think that uh, you need to look at kind of campaigns holistically, which is to say that different campaign actions all have their different roles, which is that uh, the most successful campaigns use a different range of campaign tactics. So I think the most successful campaigns are the ones that, yes, do use direct action. Yes, they use uh, protests and campaigns. They do get people mobilised. They get people out on the streets. But also successful campaigns are the ones that have a credible evidence-based alternative that get people around the table. Because what you've got to do, you've got to convince someone that you're right. And I don't think shouting at someone is going to, on its own, convince someone that they're wrong and that you're right. But if you can present a skillful, uh, uh, intelligent argument that what you're saying has some credibility. That's how you make success. That's the kinds of student leaders that I want to see, and that's how I think we'll ultimately deliver for our members. So yes, there's a role for protest, but it's got to be seen as part of the bigger picture. Right, so uh, finally, one last thing, which is, what legacy do you think and hope will you will leave for students in, say, two to three years' time? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a great question to, to think about on my, my way out. And I think the legacy that uh, that I think uh, NUS can leave for this year is that student issues have gone from uh, toward the bottom of the agenda toward the top of the agenda. And I'm proud of the role that I and NUS have played to ensure that uh, successive governments of all parties now have taken advantage of students in different ways. But I think for the first time, we really stood up to the government in a meaningful way. Did we, got, did we get what we wanted uh, ultimately? Not quite. But we've started to make sure that successive governments know what they're going to have to face if they try and take advantage of students. And I think we acted responsibly in a way that we, uh, the very best we could in some difficult circumstances. And I hope that's the way in which uh, this year is remembered as a real springboard for the future. Well, uh, thank you very much, Aaron Porter. It's been a pleasure you having us in the studio and at Nerve. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. The Chris Jones Best Bits Podcast. Download for free.